think to Mitchell this time. Lance going to wind up and throw in. It is complete inside the 15. 10, 5, touchdown, Debo Samuel. Welcome to the Denim Dungeon, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Rennick, a contributor and editor at 49ers Web Zone, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow contributor, my co-host, but most importantly, my good buddy, the South Tahoe legend himself, Tim Sprinkles. Tim, since the last time we spoke, or at least spoke on this podcast, many things happened. Many, many. One, Trey Lance started and won an NFL football game against the Texans, a game that you were at and you saw. Jimmy Garoppolo, with one and a half thumbs, went down to L.A. and beat the Los Angeles Rams in overtime to get the 49ers into the playoffs. And we are talking on, well, I almost said Sunday, Monday, January 17th, after the 49ers won their first round playoff matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. That's one. That's the 49er info that has happened since we last recorded. Two, we've lost some legends. Betty White, whose birthday is today. Betty White, thank you for being a friend. We've also lost in the NFL, John Madden. And then we also lost Bob Saget. But more importantly than all of those things, you turned 40, my friend. You are a 40-year-old. How yeah. does it feel? Uh, well, so far, 40 for me on the on the football side of things has been wonderful. Uh, watching the 49ers uh, clinch a playoff spot in epic form, getting able to see uh, Trey Lance in his first win. Um, but on the personal side of things, man, f- I welcome 40 in with COVID. And, yeah, you did. <laughs> yes, and- you did. It it affected me. It affected me in ways that I was not prepared for. Um, I'm not going to go into detail about it because um, I don't want to. We don't need to put an NC-17 rating on this podcast. But it only can happen. It only happens to about ten to twenty percent of men, and it can only happen to men. And it was awful. Yeah, let your uh, let your uh, imaginations run wild with that. But uh, but yeah, it was it was actually the thing that kept us from recording uh, more than anything else was the yes. vid and your recovery from said vid. I, d- I don't know if I would have been able to string enough sentences together without coughing and and just making this. I, I mean, there was a period of time I couldn't get out of bed for almost a week. It was, I missed work. I missed, I basically was like, I'm just checking out from the world. I'm like, I'm on IR from everything. It was awful. And, you know, like, like you said, RIP, uh, Betty White, uh, RIP, John Madden. Uh, those are, those are two people really gonna, gonna miss. We talked about it before the pod. Uh, happy birthday today. Yeah. Betty White. And that's the thing. That's the thing. And happy birthday to my grandma, who yeah. is up there partying right now with Betty White. Like, yeah. same birth, same exact yeah. birthday. 
literal same day, same year. Your grandma would have been 100 this year as well. Yeah. But the best part of all of that is that I was the one to inform Tim. <laughs> yes. It was his grandmother's 100th birthday today. Well, no, not that. I just never put it together that sure, her sure. and Betty White were exactly, exactly the same age. And and honestly, she kind of, we're not going to go too much of an, into a tangent with our football podcast with my grandma and her birthday, but important, she did important have stuff. a she definitely had a Betty White quality to her. She oh, my grandma very, did too. Oh my, God, it was my grandma did she too. Was, my grandma? Oh man, my grandma was like legit. Like there she were, was. There, there were awesome. There awesome were two person. people in the world that reminded me of my grandma, and that was Betty White and the Queen of England. Because, like, legitimately, the Queen actually kind of looks like my grandma, which is, has always been odd to me. Um, and then Betty White just gave off to me the same vibe as my grandma. So I get it. I understand that. But uh, but yeah, we are we are recording here on Monday, January 17th. We just watched the L.A. Rams uh, absolutely destroy uh, Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals for the last game of the super wild card weekend. And honestly, uh, it was a weekend full of pretty bad football which is not yeah. ideal for what uh for what the NFL is looking for but honestly that's also kind of what happens when you allow extra teams in right were the eagles yeah. a playoff team probably not were the steelers a playoff team probably not and no. so yeah it was it was not great football really the only good game well that's not true the the bengal's raiders game ended up being pretty good but ultimately the the best game of the of the weekend definitely was the game against our San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. And it was uh, a game that that the 49ers needed to win. So that uh, our families could still participate in another football Sunday before the end of the season, because uh, we haven't watched a game together and and. And I bring this up and I'm realizing now we haven't watched a game together since that Titans game and they yeah. lost that game. Yeah. Uh, and then they won the next three they played. But I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to take that risk because I will tell you, at least before that Rams game, I was a wreck. I was an absolute <laughs> emotional mess. I was like, I cannot I cannot watch it like this game a lot, a lot isn't even going to be fun for me. I loved it. I was, I mean, I, I'm a hundred percent on, uh, like I was, I was very, I, I was somewhat to very confident against the Rams. It's, there's just something about the way Shanahan has McVay's number. It, it just seems to me that, and, and like tonight I found myself not rooting for, but definitely wanting the Rams to advance because in the unlikelihood that, that the Rams beat the Bucks next week in Tampa Bay, then that means the 49ers are going to get to to essentially host, host the uh, NFC championship host an <laughs> NFC championship game in 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 Levi South, right? That's right. That's and right. The Niners will take over that entire stadium. It'll be great. And I'm very confident 
with that situation. For some reason, the 49ers just and it, it's with matchups, right? You look at this in the NFL and and you can kind of see some teams match up really, really well against other teams. It almost feels like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch drafted their players and put their system together to basically combat the Los Angeles Rams like they just have their number the Arizona Cardinals on the other hand have the 49ers number so there was no way like it doesn't matter it it doesn't matter if Colt McCoy's the quarterback doesn't matter Kyler Murray's the quarterback all 49ers cannot play well against the Cardinals but that being said getting way too far uh, down the road because the 49ers advanced to the divisional round they will play the the green bay packers in lambeau field on the frozen tundra in very cold weather and we're going to get to this later in the week but what we saw against the dallas cowboys what we knew was going to travel well into dallas into jerry's world a stout running game and a good defense will do the same thing in lambeau field for so since you were not feeling good with the rams game you were pretty nervous about the Dallas Cowboy game. I was more nervous about the Dallas Cowboy game than I was the Rams the week prior. I'm more confident about the Packer game than I am about the Cowboy game. Oh, man. Because running the football and good defense travels everywhere. It doesn't matter. Like, bottom line, uh, the 49ers will run the ball. And they are going to pound that rock. And I believe... I might be wrong, but I think the 49ers, when they run the ball 30-plus times, I think, I'm I'm trying to find it, I'm trying to look it up, I think they're, here it is, the 49ers are 23-1 and since 2019 when they run the ball 30-plus times. Is, they ran it 38 times for 169 yards against the Cowboys. Is that one loss the Super Bowl? I don't know who the one well, loss to, is. I just know that, that stat. Definitely go sidebar and look that up because it would be interesting to know. But 30, so run the ball 30 plus times. That's the formula. Yeah. I mean, and think about this. And that's the formula for the playoffs, if we're being perfectly honest. Now, the mo- think about this. The most rushing yards so far in the postseason, Elijah Mitchell leads with 96. Debo Samuel is fourth with 72. Does that include today's game? Uh, that does not include today's game. Because I, I, I don't know the stats from the game. And if you want to look them up real quick, I know that Cam Akers had a pretty good game against the Cardinals. So that's all I was asking. He, but he put, did you see that hit he put on Buda Baker? Oh, Holy man. Well, and, and Buda, I mean, I'm not trying to blame Buda, but Buda lowered his head into that and took the brunt of of that shoulder pad right to his helmet which felt like it was not the best decision but acres didn't even lead the rams in rushing he had 55 oh, really? yards sony okay. michelle had 58 so those stats i read off before you gotta love the fact that the 49ers have the number one and the number four rusher Right well, now. and the weird thing about the weird thing about, and we'll stop talking about other teams after this. But the weird thing about this game, I was I I saw Matthew Stafford being uh, interviewed after the game. Since you have the stats up, am am I correct in saying that he threw the ball seventeen times tonight? Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. 
you you asked for it and then I totally bailed on having it. But yes, he did throw the ball a a ridiculously low amount and he only right, had for like two for, for a team, yeah, for a team that had scored like 31. Yards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, Kyler gifted them. Gifted them. That's seven true. With they had that, that pick six. That pick pick six and he also threw another interception around midfield. So the the Rams were working with a very very short field, but Matt yeah. Stafford's final stat line was thirteen of seventeen. That's what I thought. Two, yeah, seventeen attempts, two hundred and two <laughs> yards. Get out of here. That's like yeah, that's like Jimmy Garoppolo numbers. Oh, oh, except for, except for he had two touchdowns and no picks. No, There's there the go. difference. There's the difference. No, but for me. Going uh, leading up to that Rams game, and we talked about it a little bit. Uh, I think Saturday night I was texting you, and I think leading up to that Rams game, the reason that I was so on edge was because ultimately, and we've had this conversation on this podcast previously, this season because they decided to keep Jimmy Garoppolo and not start Trey Lance and not start if you believe like I believe start his development this season in the name of winning in the name of making the playoffs. If they lost to the Rams, they were out of the playoffs because the saints won. And so I, and I had, we knew that the saints, if the saints lost or the 49ers won, then the 49ers were in. Right. Um, And, and if the 49ers won and the saints won, the 49ers still would have been in. And so going into that game, it was like, if they lose this game and they don't make the playoffs, then this season is an abject failure and a disaster. And I really don't want to go into the postseason or in the offseason. Sorry, not the postseason. They weren't going to the postseason. I didn't want to go into the offseason with the kind of conversations that we were going to have to have about Kyle Shanahan, about his decision-making, about Trey Lance, about Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, it was just going to be rehashed all over again, and I didn't want that. And honestly, the fact that they made the playoffs, then to me, all the pressure was off. They were playing with house money in that regard. They made the playoffs. If they go into Dallas and they play and they lose, like I'm going to be upset and I'm going to be bummed, but I'm not going to be nearly as mad or as upset as I would have been if they lost the Rams when they didn't make the playoffs. And so that was the big thing for me. It was, it's not necessarily that I wasn't confident that they could beat the Rams because they've done that plenty. Obviously they just beat them for the sixth time in a row. And if they play them in an NFC championship game, my goodness, seven times in a row, three in the same season, that's going to be embarrassing right but going into dallas and 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 honestly i i looked a, i i read a lot about dallas i listened a lot about dallas i looked at a couple of their uh of their games again not the all 22 but i i wasn't impressed with them i wasn't impressed with the fact that they were uh they had a losing record against teams that made uh the playoffs they only beat three teams they only had three wins against teams that made the playoffs. Two of those were against the Eagles. The other one was against the Patriots in week six. So I was not necessarily scared about the Cowboys. I am much more intimidated by these Packers than I am by the Cowboys because they have Aaron Rodgers. And so, you know, we're going to we're going to preview the, the Packers game uh, later this week. But the one thing that I will say 
in terms of what my confidence level is, is it's relatively high simply because the Packers run the Rams defense. And Kyle Shanahan absolutely knows how to attack and beat that Ram style defense. Yeah, totally. And and we will talk about that later and we'll we'll get it we'll kind of break it down a little bit and but one of the things that I mean we're talking about Kyle Shanahan and we're talking about how great uh the 49ers offense has played at times. And and I know that you know, I think all 49er fans can kind of sympathize with this statement where uh they it's like a tale of two halves where the 49ers play incredibly well for a half and then something happens in the second half and or or they just don't put four consecutive quarters together and one thing that we saw come out today was the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo sprained his shoulder his throwing shoulder in the second quarter of this playoff game against the Cowboys. And I've watched this game now three times. The first time, obviously, was live. The next two times, I watched it on the Nickelodeon. The, yeah, first, time, the first time was to preview it for my kids to see if it was something that they'd be interested in. And I was like, I kind of like, this is interesting. And then I watched it again with my girls today. So I've watched that game now three times. Jimmy Garoppolo was lights out in the first half lights out like his ball his ball placement there was a couple of throws obviously we know he's really good on in breaking routes and we knew that the cowboys were going to vacate the middle of that field and if we would have podcasted before this game i would have said keys to this game is jimmy garoppolo completing the ball when the cowboys vacate the middle of the field which they do often and he did that a couple of times i think two three times to debo over the middle uh Just great ball placement, hit him in stride. Awesome. But what I was most impressed with was Jimmy Garoppolo in the first half, and I'll give him his props on this. On that third and 10, he hit Jawan Jennings on an out route. It was was that was a dime. Absolute dime. It was perfectly thrown. There, the ball had zip on it. It wasn't lofted. It had no flutter. It hit him in stride, outstretched, where where Jennings, all he had to do was tap his feet, and he had the first down. That is a they tweeted out in all caps. That's a dime. <laughs> it, a dime from number, a dime from dime. Okay. That was phenomenal. Another throw that he had, I think it was in the second quarter. It was when Jimmy Garoppolo was pressured on another third down. It was third and nine. He rolled to his right and hit Ayuk right at the sticks. And then Ayuk gave this great effort where he spun and then he stuck the ball out with his right hand to get past the sticks. Incredible effort by Ayuk. But again, another great throw. Jimmy Garoppolo steps up in the pocket to avoid pressure, then bails out to his right side, throws on the run, throws another dime outside the numbers on the sideline with a guy heavily covered. It was beautiful. That's the Jimmy Garoppolo. If we have that Jimmy Garoppolo for four quarters, the 49ers will win the Super Bowl. They will win Super Bowl 56 in Levi South. There is no question in my mind. It'll be hey, you know, last year Tampa Bay got to host a host the Super Bowl. I'm hoping that the 49ers get to host the Super Bowl in, in <laughs> SoFi it. this year. It's, it. It'll be great. But that that part to me, like we watched Jimmy Garoppolo be 
the guy that all of the Jimmy stands on Twitter want him to be. He shows this brilliance. And then uh, I don't know if all I can do is believe Kyle Shanahan and the reports that come out about Jimmy Garoppolo's injuries, but it seems like whenever he lays a turd in the second half, Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt, whether it be like you said earlier, before the podcast, not during the podcast, but we, we chop it up before the podcast because we like to, I I don't know. We just like to talk and, and the sprained calf, the, the thumb Say the word abrasion, ablution, an avulsion fracture. Avulsion. That's good word, dude. Good word. Avulsion fracture, and and now a a sprain on his throwing shoulder that happened in the second quarter. And if you remember, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of tailed off into nothing in the second half. Oh, he was hot garbage in the second half. So hot garbage. I I I I want to take it at face value and I want to believe it. But is it in your opinion is this Kyle Shanahan's way of covering Jimmy Garoppolo's tracks for when he when he lays his turds and Jimmy kind of turns into what, this Jay, is Kyle's pooper scooper? Kind yeah is is the injury report Kyle's pooper scooper and saying yeah. this is going to going to keep Jimmy's value as high as it possibly can because hey it's not you're not going to get a Jimmy Garoppolo in a trade that's trash when he's healthy he's a guy that wins all the time he he's in the top five over a 700 winning percentage I, I mean we're talking best of the best in the league like you get top five top six in the league in winning percentage of quarterbacks that have started 50 plus games good grief that's phenomenal yeah, when when he's healthy, Hard he to argue wins. With. Yeah, and his QBR is also it's been super high, right? <laughs> like, wasn't it going into the playoffs? Wasn't it like higher than Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, but also of the of the <laughs> Jack Hammer, who covers the 49ers for the Santa Rosa Press Democrat, and was also it feels like he got his start with Grant Cone. Grant Cone. Grant Cone is a <laughs> is a Twitter account. It's a parody, but anyway, uh, yeah, mock. Yeah, yeah. but um. But Jack Hammer tweeted out that after uh, and and I don't this was before the end of the of the um, Rams game, but of all the quarterbacks that started on uh, Super Wild Card Weekend, Jimmy Garoppolo had the second highest QBR behind Josh Allen and sandwiched between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And let's not forget that Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdowns in that game against the Steelers. And how many touchdowns did Josh Allen have? And Josh Allen also had five touchdowns. And Jimmy Garoppolo had a goose egg with an interception and and then just laid just little rabbit turds all over the field in the second half. <laughs> I don't I so I thought about this earlier today. And you're right, we were talking about it. And I was like, it it really seems like quite the coincidence that three of the worst halves of football that Jimmy Garoppolo has played so far this season. After every one of those games, it's come out that he injured himself in some way in the second quarter, specifically to coincide with a hot garbage second half. But here's the thing that I thought about. I thought about. Is Kyle Shanahan. Gaming. Is Kyle Shanahan 
gaming. That was my phone. It's Kyle Shanahan gaming. I have a I have an automation set on my phone that when <laughs> when my phone percentage drops below twenty percent, my phone says out loud, "Oh shit, I'm gonna die." <laughs> and that's what just happened. So if you heard that, that's what that was. But is Kyle Shanahan trying to game Matt Lafleur to get Lafleur to think maybe maybe Trey Lance is gonna have to play this game because Garoppolo has this. Uh, wonky shoulder. Now, Shanahan also came out and said, I fully expect Garoppolo to practice on Tuesday. So we'll see going into Tuesday. But yeah, it it seems it seems a little coincidental. But like you said, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to think that it's not true because that seems shady. And and I don't feel like that is the nature of this you know, of, of this regime, but yeah, it sure seems like when he lays a turd in the second half and that was the thing that, what's interesting about this team, I tweeted this out actually earlier today. Um, if we go all the way back to week 12 against Seattle, if you, if you take out that game against Atlanta, right, which they played well and they played a complete game for four quarters. If you take that game out, they have played six consecutive games where they've played one half of good football and one half of bad football. And in those six games, they're four and two with wins over Cincinnati, the Rams and the Cowboys. So like you said, just imagine if this team can put together four quarters of football, they're absolutely the best, if not one of the best teams in the NFL. I just I don't know how you can't look at this team and go. And again, that's a big caveat. If they play a complete game, I don't think there's anyone that can beat them. Well, you're you're right. I think they need to put four quarters together, but we haven't seen them do that very much. And I don't know if we will see them do that with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. I guess my my hope would be that they're able to put three quarters together. And the defense is able to sort of hide and and keep that that quarter where the offense becomes inept and doesn't score and doesn't move the ball. And they're able to just lock down their opponent. I don't know if they'd be able to do that against a team like the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs if we're, if we're going that far down the road or even even the Packers or the Bucks. Those are those are four teams that are legitimately extremely high powered offenses that it, it you you're going to have to keep up with them scoring right so i'm i'm not saying i'm not saying to kind of circle all the way back to how this kind of started i'm not saying Kyle Shanahan is lying and he's he's making this stuff up a sprain could mean any number of things right it could be like a sprain can be oh a little twist or a little little ouchie in my shoulder that could be considered a sprain in your throwing shoulder, whatever. A sprain could also mean torn ligaments. And it's just, it's not completely torn all the way. That's There's the reason they have grades when it the comes grades, to sprain, yeah. right? Like you sprain your ankle and it could be, oh, it's, uh, you know, I'm going to walk it off. I'm going to tighten up my shoe and I'm going to play through it. Something kind of like Fred Warner. His was probably between a grade one and a grade tw- 
grade two. He tweeted out today, don't worry, faithful, I'm going to be good to go for the playoff game uh, in Lambeau. Yeah. Thank God. And, right? well, and a low ankle sprain, not a high ankle sprain. Right. So in that situation, that is a, a less severe sprain. Now you look at some something like Jordan Willis, who had a high ankle sprain. Yeah, probably he's likely out. A more a more severe, probably a grade two sprain, because the, it, it's still not definite that he's out, but it's probable that he's going to miss next week. Th- there's different grades, right? So Jimmy Garoppolo's sprained shoulder could just be an ouchie where he landed on it or somebody landed on him awkwardly. And yeah, it was a little I love calling it an ouchie. It's an ouchie. <laughs> like it's something obviously he could play through, right? It's obviously something that he was able to go out in the second half, but on the run with his thumb and his shoulder, he was not able to hit a throw like he made earlier in the game to Ayuk, where he sailed it and it turned into a costly interception. This is the type of thing where, and and I don't know, I may be I may be reaching on this comment and and wishing too much, but I think that that Jimmy Garoppolo's toughness. Now I've never ever questioned Jimmy Garoppolo's toughness. That dude, he he is a one tough sop, yeah. both yeah. mentally I, and mm-hmm. physically. Let's be real. Sure. The yeah. abuse he takes, both in the media and from his own fan base, and the abuse he takes on the field, and the guy just continues to get. I'm hey, he's got you some, know, you know what helps some, him brush off all of that hate. His gorgeous chin line. He's so damn handsome. Well, and his, <laughs> I mean, the dude's obviously got some meaty clackers to be to just step up every single time, and 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 take shots right to the face right like he does that is he too is he so tough that it becomes a detriment to his team like i get i guess what i'm trying to say is if jimmy garoppolo's injuries are legitimate there was a reason kyle shanahan did he he does not win with anyone other than Jimmy Garoppolo, and obviously he's one for two with Trey Lance in starts. Trey didn't win his first start against the Cardinals. He did win his his second start against the Texans. So there's that's too small of a sample size, but there's no doubt that Trey Lance is more skilled than a Nick Mullins, a CJ Beathard, a Brian Hoyer. Like there's no question, right, that Jimmy Garoppolo Josh and Trey <laughs> then that those two players are on another level, an upper echelon rather than the players previously mentioned. So is Jimmy Garoppolo, is he too tough for his own good to where he gets himself and his team into trouble where if he just admitted and said, I'm hurt, I'm not playing at my best, I need to be 100% or as close to 100% healthy to put a good product on the field, would it be better served for him to play as much as he possibly can? Tell Kyle, I'm hurt. Like, I am I know you like tough guys, and I'm a tough guy, but I'm hurting the team right now. I'm hurt, and I'm hurting the team. Put Trey Lance in. He's going to give us a better chance to be successful because when Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt, he lays turds, and the team, the offense falls apart. Man, and that's the thing is like, I admire Jimmy for wanting to play through an injury, 
But there's enough tape out there and enough history that tells us Jimmy Garoppolo sucks when he's not 100%. He sucks. And so that's why, again, going into that Rams game, I was like, oh, man, I don't understand. Why are we starting Jimmy Garoppolo? Again, not because I hate Jimmy Garoppolo, but because I know he's not 100%. And a not 100% Jimmy Garoppolo is not typically a Jimmy Garoppolo that's going to lead the 49ers to victory. And so, yeah, I hope, you know, I hope that he's honest. I hope that he recognizes like, but here's the thing. And I'm, I'm not, by all means, I would understand this. And I am not trying to claim at all that this is Jimmy Garoppolo's mindset. But if you were Jimmy Garoppolo and you knew that this was your, this was your last season in San Francisco and you want a starting position somewhere. Are you going to think of the San Francisco 49ers before you think of Jimmy Garoppolo? I'm not sure. Now, again, I'm not claiming that that's his mindset because it does seem like he's for all intents and purposes. And from everything that we've heard lights out as a teammate, great teammate, great teammate, great presence in the locker room, friends with a lot of those guys. And that's why I ultimately, I don't think he would put himself above the team because I think he has too much respect for guys like George Kittle, guys like Trent Williams, guys like, you know, uh, every say that who Kyle, you Kyle, you it, it does you. seem like they're, they're, they're good friends. Yeah. So I, I don't think he is, but ultimately again, then, then that falls on Kyle to be like, look, here's what I'm seeing. I respect the hell out of you. I just, you might not have it. And and here's the other thing that worries me about this Green Bay game. What is that thumb going to do in two degree weather? Well, you might not be able to feel it. I mean, at which point that's fine. Then Then that's great. But cold weather, cold weather can have an effect on injuries, right? You know, that whole thing about like, Oh, there must be rain coming. My, you know, my hips acting up or my elbows acting up or my shoulders acting up. Right. That's real. Like that's, that's real. Now, again, we're talking about world-class athletes versus, you know, Joe Schmo on the couch, but, but, but that's, you know, that's real. So again, was it an impressive performance against the Dallas Cowboys? No, but it was a, well, I take that back. The offense against the Dallas Cowboys was fine, especially in the first half. But we got to talk about the defense because the defense was was what won this game for the 49ers in Dallas. And and you tweeted this out um, earlier today, and you said that um, I got to find it again. You were talking about the Cowboys and the number of points they scored. Let me find it. Do you want to find uh, it or do you want me to say it? Or do you know it? I Yeah, I know it. Oh, I, mean, I got it. I got it. Okay. You said okay. the Cowboys were the second team in NFL history joining the 2000 Rams to score 500 or more points in a season and not make it past the wild card round. There's only two teams. Fin- right? Finish finish the tweet. There's Domingo one- Ryan's take a bow. Absolutely. Because and that's and that's it, man. That is the tweet. D'Amico Ryan's 
has been unfreaking believable as a first time defensive coordinator. This man, while having been a Pro Bowl caliber middle linebacker in the NFL, which is impressive in and of itself, but he has never called plays at any level. In fact, he came to the 49ers as a defensive quality control coach and then got promoted to linebackers coach and then to defensive coordinator. Like, damn, like what what a performance from D'Amico Ryans. And this defense was incredible against the Cowboys Mm -hmm. because they just straight up shut them down. I mean, one one of the great things that we got to see was he put he put his guys in a position, even when the stars like if I asked you who are the two best players on the 49ers defense, you would say. Who? Nick Bosa and, and Fred Warner. And both of those guys wound up getting hurt and they couldn't finish the game. Nick Bosa in the second at the end of the second quarter, right before yeah, half the first half, yep. Was just was held and then drugged down into a situation like that wasn't his fault, and that's awful, by the way. But that's just well, that's yeah. Nick Bosa and it getting, looked like and I was saying it looked like Jones just kind of like his momentum, the offensive lineman that was that he was going against used Jones' momentum against him. And Jones kind of left his feet and his hips swung out and then hit Bosa right just right, right in the face mask. D- DJ Jones. Just, or DJ Jones, yeah. And what did I say? I don't remember. Okay. I just Yeah, DJ I'm Jones. I'm saying Yeah. And hit and 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 then hit hit Bosa right in the face mask and bent his head back to touch his freaking nameplate. So obviously not good. What wasn't that bad. But it, I mean Bottom line is is Nick Bosa is is such a key piece to that defense, and Fred Warner is obviously he's you know captain, all pro Fred. Uh, even though he didn't earn all pro this year, he still is one of the if not the best linebacker in the league when he's playing well. And D'Amico Ryan's had two gaping holes in his defense and yet he was still able to contain this high scoring extremely talented cowboys offense they were the highest scoring offense in the regular season highest scoring in the nfl and and made dak prescott like that people are starting to question like this is the type of performance like the cowboys had that type of a season where you know, when you look at the numbers and the stats and everything, you say like, yeah, they were they were 500 plus points. They were the number one offense in the league scoring wise. They got bounced in the wild card round. And now people are questioning some people. Is Dak paid too much? Is Mike McCarthy really the guy? He's not. But please keep him, Cowboys, because he's terrible. But is Mike McCarthy the guy? Is Kellen Moore? Is Kellen Moore calling? Is he okay as a play caller? Like what? Is, what is he doing calling a, a quarterback draw with fourteen seconds to go? Like he, I, I just love the fact that a first-year defensive coordinator who you talked about has come up through the ranks and been extremely impressive, 
first year calling plays as a defensive coordinator, took the number one team scoring wise and and just this juggernaut who everyone had picked to advance. And now everyone's questioning whether or not their franchise quarterback and their head coach and their offensive coordinator, what's wrong? Like something's wrong. Somebody's got to go because obviously it's not Jerry Jones. And, you know, from the building of that stadium, that dude messed it up. Like, how do you put a billion dollars in? And what did Phil Simms say? How do you build a stadium east to west and spend a billion dollars doing it where the sun shines right through those windows and literally ruins a third down play for his team? Like, I don't know if you remember at the end of the first half, it was third and 19. And I forget who ran. Was it Wilson ran that curl right into the middle of the field? Yeah. And right and in that in that sun in spot. Sun. <laughs> and then like flinched when the ball came at him and is like, no, thank you. I, I don't want anything to do with that. I can't see it. That's on Jerry Jones. Like one, what are you doing building? It's an, it's an indoor stadium with windows. What are you doing building a stadium that way? And then two, why have you not? Dude, you could go down to like Ikea and get some sunshades for those windows for like 20 Tint bucks, shits, bro. Man. Tint them. Golly. Hey, at least Do Jed York. Something. At least Jed York made it miserable for the fans on one side of his stadium. Jerry Jones made it miserable for his team, and that's <laughs> that's not that's not ideal. Oh my goodness! But hey, way to go, uh, way to go, Ryan's man. That uh, unfortunately, 49er fans, you need to you need to brace yourself right now because. D'Amico Ryans is not long as the 49ers defensive coordinator, not not because he's going to get fired, but because he's going to get promoted to head coach. And there is probably he's easily, in my opinion, in the top five people that deserve it. But McDaniels is also a guy that you need to just brace yourself. He's going to go away and probably Adam Peters, the, the 49ers assistant GM. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Assistant GM. He's going to go if the 49ers yeah. don't find a way to I promote think, Lynch and him. Like, yeah, th- those are three guys. Yeah. OC, DC and assistant GM that are all being interviewed right now. I still find it hard. I, I still find it hard coaching. to think that uh, that McDaniel will get a job. I don't I don't know if you've ever watched him in a press conference. I, I think Mike McDaniel is brilliant, and I think he uh, the the reason our run game is as impressive as it is, is because of Mike McDaniel, but I don't think he just strikes me as a guy that wouldn't interview well. And also just wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't inspire confidence in your team and your, and your fan base in the press conferences and things that he would give, but, but he's also the offensive coordinator for Kyle Shanahan. So, um, I just wanted to, uh, we're getting, we're running a little long here. So I want to, I just want to highlight a couple of the performances on the defensive side that I thought, uh, were impressive. Uh, one of them is Eric Armstead, um, in Eric Armstead's last three games, he's had four sacks, 13 pressures and 19 total tackles in three games. So when it has mattered most in a must win against Houston, a must win against LA and then a playoff game against Dallas. Eric Armstead has turned his game up to the next level to the tune of, again, four sacks, 13 pressures, and 19 total tackles. I also wanted to highlight a couple people 
who probably fly under the radar a little bit. Uh, one being Ambry Thomas, our rookie cornerback. Um, not that he's been flying under the radar, but in 55 coverage snaps yesterday, he gave up two catches for 27 yards and had a pass breakup. And these are against I, receivers like C.D. Lamb, right. Amari Cooper. C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson, Dalton Schultz. They've got receiving talent on that team. And for him to put in a performance like that is impressive. And then the guy that they traded for right before the uh, the trade deadline, uh, they, they got this guy from the Houston Texans, Charles Amenahu, who was in the game a lot because Bosa was out for the second half. He ended up with one and a half sacks and six pressures in 23 pass rush opportunities. That dude made so the most. 25% of his pass Ooh. rush opportunities, he was getting pressure on Dak Prescott. That which was like just what, for a six-round pick, right? That's a six-rounder. That we traded? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's no, it, like nothing. Basically nothing for him. Phenomenal. Um, phenomenal and, trade. And that just and that brings me to uh the other point that I wanted to make. Uh this defensive line is unreal. Like Chris Kosurek is is the best defensive line coach in the NFL and he's a top 5 assistant in the NFL and he better get broken off something fierce this offseason with some kind of raise because that dude is a friggin' magician when it comes to getting the most out of the players on his defensive line to the point where San Francisco has become a place that has a reputation where if you're a defensive lineman, uh, you come here to, to boost your profile, you play for a season and then you go get paid handsomely. Uh, what's his face? Um, who was the Kerry Hyder? Carrie Hyder yep. did it last year. Went right? to the Seahawks. Yeah. Went to the Seahawks, got paid a bunch, did nothing. Right? <laughs> this year, this year, Maurice Hurst and Arden Key both got cut by the Raiders, came over here. Hurst has been injured for most of the year. But Arden Key, Arden Key is is second on the team in sacks. And they've found a role for him being in like a three technique where he's rushing the passer from the interior of the defensive line on obvious passing downs along with Eric Armstead, along with Nick Bosa, along with Samson Ebukam, that pass rush is relentless. And everyone that comes in is relentless. And those D tackles are relentless. DJ Jones, Kevin Givens, Contavious Street, you name it, man. They just rotate dudes in and they are good. It's not just, there's no drop off, right? Nick Bosa left that game and they were still getting tons of pressure on Dak in the second half. And so I just wanted to highlight that whole unit and specifically Chris Kosurik, uh, another guy who should take a bow. And honestly, you know, we talked a lot about the defensive side because it's really, again, like I said, the defense that that led the way to victory. But if we do have to talk about the offensive side of the ball, we obviously have to talk about quite literally one of the best football players in the National Football League, and that is Debo Samuel. I yeah. where would this team be without Debo? Not uh, the playoffs. Watching from their couches. Yeah. Not the playoffs. He is. I. I, he, I mean, it's, he's amazing. I, how do you talk about him? <laughs> like, I'm going to say I, I, it, it's real easy for me to. Say. He is. He's. He's the linchpin to Kyle Shanahan's offense right now. With. With and. 
this isn't Jimmy. This is not me going to go and slander Jimmy, but and I need you to understand when Kyle Shanahan has a limited quarterback where he consistently you don't have a guy that puts four quarters, good quarters together, you need somebody that you can rely on, somebody that can play multiple positions, somebody who you, how you get a playmaker a ball isn't dependent upon them running a route or getting a handoff. They can do either from any position. They can receive a handoff from the, the running back position or the wide receiver position. They are they can block. They're physical. They can catch. They can catch over the middle. They can catch outside the numbers. They can run deep routes. They can do everything. Debo's the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan right now are dependent upon Debo. The 49ers offense needs Debo Samuel to be running at full capacity to be a legitimate contender. So that's what I can say about Debo. He is a man amongst boys in the NFL. And that that's not a knock on anybody else in the NFL. That's saying Debo Samuel is different. He's built different. Built different. Debo Samuel was first in yards per reception with 18.2 this season. He was third in yards from scrimmage with 1,770. He was fifth in receiving yards with 1,405. He was third amongst wide receivers in total touchdowns with 14, and he set an NFL record for rushing touchdowns by a receiver with eight. Not only that, but he was second on the team in rushing yards <laughs> behind, behind Elijah Mitchell. <laughs> so he led the team in receiving yards, and he was second on the team in rushing yards. He just, listen, Debo Samuel in the second half of the season when Elijah Mitchell went down with injury and Kyle Shanahan said, listen, listen, we're going to need to put you in the backfield. The dude said, fine. And he, and he lit it up, right? Debo Samuel was in the backfield and everybody in the stadium, including Dan Quinn and, and the defensive uh, players for Dallas knew the ball was going to Debo. And he still averaged 7.2 yards per carry. He had 10 carries, for 72 yards and a touchdown, including that touchdown that put them up to uh, 23 to seven after that interception by uh, K1 Williams. Mm -hmm. I, I love, I love the it fact baffles that me. it baffles I me. I loved hearing in the, in the pressers after the game that when that interception was made, Debo Samuel looked at Kyle Shanahan and said, give me, give the, me ball. the ball. <laughs> Give me the ball. And and Kyle and even Jimmy heard it and it was it was a it I'm not going to say it was simple, but it was just a it was okay, let's hand the ball off to Debo. It wasn't anything extra special like a reverse jet sweep. It wasn't a a slant or an out or a wheel route or anything. It was it outside was, zone. <laughs> it was give I mean, first things first, like you have to understand, like the motion across the field, which made Kyle Vander, Vander, Vander Esch, Vander Nesh, Vander Esch, Esch, Vander Esch, Vander Esch, Vander Esch. Late, late, sorry, Leighton Vander Esch vacated the middle of the field. And that was it, on the Elijah Mitchell orbit motion. Right. So you watch on that motion, you watch the middle linebacker vacate and disappear for me, I went, oh, what a great opportunity to run a slant or somebody into that area. But no, it's just a simple outside zone. 
to Debo Samuel, who's as I mean, his patience as a running back for being a receiver or a, a wide back, as he apparently likes to call himself, to yes. then cut back across the field and all of a sudden one Van Der Esch was not there. And then two split the defenders. And it, it gave me feelings of watching Raheem Mostert when he would split defenders because they yeah. weren't prepared for his speed. Yeah. Where he just a burst that would go right through and untouched into the end zone. And Debo Samuel, true to his word, give me the ball, coach. I got you. First touch, first play, touchdown. That doesn't happen. 49ers don't win that game because they're not moving Agreed. the ball in the second half. Agreed. The other thing that I forgot to mention, uh, Debo led all NFL wide receivers with 10.12 yards after the catch per reception. <laughs> so every time that Debo caught a ball, he was averaging 10 yards after the catch. <laughs> Again, which makes sense because, you know, he led the league with 18.2 yards per reception. So, uh, yeah, Debo Samuel uh, was the offense. Uh, against the Cowboys and likely they're going to lean on him again when they travel to Green Bay to face Aaron Rodgers but we will talk about that game later this week Tim before we cheese on out of here anything else about this victory in Big D uh well I mean no I'm just this is this is another classic 49ers Cowboys playoff game and it has been slightly dominated by the Cowboys in the ent entirety of the playoff history between the 49ers and the Cowboys right you have you have two wins by the 49ers one is the catch and two was the 94 game where Eric Davis intercepted the ball on like the third play of the game mm -hmm. and that and there was three turnovers within the first quarter and the 49ers yeah, they, went up they, 21 to nothing yeah i would say they forced three turnovers and scored three touchdowns in the first eight minutes of the game right and and that was that led to their to and their still next almost lost super bowl so <laughs> yeah because the cowboys were that good um i'm gonna leave with this every time the 49ers and the cowboys have met in the playoffs the winner has gone on to win the super bowl mm. let's go baby let's go so, there we go uh you got to be sure say the name say the title of the show because i don't want it just to be read you gotta you gotta say it it's phenomenal this episode is entitled save a horse beat the cowboys <laughs> Happy birthday, Betty White. We out. Thank you for being a friend.